Young adults, how are we doing tonight? Good, good. I was contemplating if I should even come up here and say anything or if I should just grab Andrew Zajic and put him back on stage and have him rap for us again. Like, man, where did that come from? Like, well, hey, you guys can take a seat. As you take a seat, look at your neighbor. Tell them they look good tonight. Now look at your other neighbor, the one that you neglected for whatever reason. Tell them that they also look good tonight. Hey, I know Andrew already asked this question, but just for my sake, how many people it's your first time visiting young adults? I won't call you out, I promise. Ariana, I won't call you out, I promise. Hey, we want to say welcome. Um, here at Red Rocks Young Adults, we believe that Jesus is just the most incredible thing in the world. And honestly, you don't have to believe what we believe to belong here. But our hope is that if you didn't believe uh, in Jesus, that you would just consider him tonight. Consider the possibility that there is a God who came down and loved you so much um, that he decided to give his life for you, not to judge you, not to be harsh to you, not to be cruel to you, but to show you mercy and grace and kindness and love. That's what Jesus is all about, and that is what we are all about, and I am so excited tonight that I get an opportunity to talk about and share about the most incredible person, the God-man, Jesus Christ. How many people are excited to hear about Jesus tonight? That is awesome. Well, hey, we're going to dive right in here. Does anybody have their Bibles? Anybody old school, bring your leather-bound Bible. Wave that thing around. All right, that's actually more than I thought. That's more than I thought. How many people got your Bible on your phone? And you also just on occasion check your DMs, wondering if anybody here, young adults that you saw, is trying to slide into your DMs. If you do it during my message, the best you get in heaven is an apartment. I'm just telling you. It's there. It's in one of the commentaries, I promise. Well, hey, if you don't have a Bible, if you don't have one on your phone, we're going to put it up on the screen. We're going to go to John chapter 4. John chapter 4, and I want to just, a little bit of context here. Jesus um, and his disciples were baptizing a bunch of people, and then John, John the Baptist, that's where he gets his name, was also baptizing people, as well as some Pharisees and Sadducees. Now, if you're new to the Bible, most of the time, whenever you read Pharisee or Sadducee, you can insert the word hater there, because that's mostly what they do to Jesus. They're constantly hating on him. But John chapter 4, starting in verse 1, we pick it up, it says, this. Jesus realized that the haters were keeping count of the baptisms that he and John performed. And although his disciples, not actually Jesus, were the ones that did the baptizing, they had posted the score that Jesus was ahead, turning him and John into rivals in the eyes of the people. So Jesus left the Judean countryside and went back to Galilee. To get there, he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to Sychar, a Samaritan village that bordered the field of Jacob that had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Jesus, worn out, wearied, and tired by the trip, sat down by the well because it was about noon. A woman, a Samaritan, came to draw water, and Jesus said, Would you give me a drink of water? His disciples had gone into the village to get food for lunch. And the Samaritan woman, sort of taken aback, asked, How come you, ask a Jew, you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? Back in those days, there's no other way to put this, Jews were racist towards Samaritans. We, we understand racism. It's a terrible thing. It's never in the heart of God, never in the kingdom of God. It will not be in heaven. 
Um, but in this moment, Jesus was sort of having like a little bit of like a Rosa Parks moment. Like, no, I'm like breaking this barrier. I'm breaking this down. And I'm going to interact with somebody that's created in my image. And so he's sitting with this Samaritan woman. And she's like, why are you talking to me? Because she wouldn't be used to that. And it says, Jews in those days wouldn't be caught dead talking to Samaritans. But Jesus answered, girl, if you knew the generosity of God and who I am, you would be asking me for a drink and I would give you fresh and living water. And so Jesus and this woman sort of had this conversation. They continue this conversation of Jesus offering her this living water. And uh, she wants it thinking that if I get this water, I'll never again have to return to this well. And maybe I can make it like a side hustle and start selling it like this Fiji sort of water system. I don't know what this guy's offering, but I want it. And so Jesus sort of playing along, he obliges and he's like, okay, cool. I'll give this to you, but go get your husband. And surprise, she had had five husbands and currently had a live-in boyfriend. And trying to deter Jesus from her sex and dating life, and just FYI, if you're not sure, Jesus cares about your sex and your dating life. It's very important to him. But trying to deter him from kind of poking around that area, she starts talking about worship, just tries to throw Jesus off by talking about something totally different. And eventually, Jesus tells her she's the first person ever, get that, a woman that was not looked highly in that culture and somebody that everybody else was racist towards is the first person to hear Jesus out of his mouth say, I'm the Messiah, the Savior of the world. That is incredible. And so she runs off into her village and tells everybody about this man, Jesus. And so it says, we're going to pick back up John 4, 31. We're reading a lot of Bible today. It says this, in the meantime, the disciples pressed him because they're like, what are you doing? Why are you talking to that person and that woman of that race? And they say, Rabbi, eat. Aren't you going to eat? Because he's tired. It said that Jesus was tired. And he said, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. And the disciples were puzzled. They're like, who would have brought him food? And Jesus said, the food that keeps me going is that I do the will of the one who sent me, finishing the work he started. As you look around right now, wouldn't you say that there's about four months and so it's time to harvest? I'm telling you, open your eyes, wake up, live life wide awake and take a good look at what is, what is right in front of you. These Samaritan fields, they're ripe. And it's harvest time. The title of my message tonight is this. Jesus was tired, but he was available. Jesus was tired, but he was available. Let's pray and we're going to dive in. Father God, we give you tonight our only goal, our only hope, our only desire is to lift up Jesus. No message can save a soul. No worship song can bring freedom. It is only through the cross of Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus, that we're free. And that we get to walk in newness of who we are. We are not defined by what's been done to us or what we have done, but we're defined by who Jesus says we are. And he says that we're loved and we're cared for. And so we give this night to you, Lord. Speak to us. Speak to me tonight. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. A little story for you guys. Not really a story. This is more non-scientific fact. Here we go. In the medical, medical field... There is a phenomenon that happens to men when their wives are pregnant called the Kuvad syndrome. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. There might be nurses out there that want to correct me, but Kuvad syndrome. And Kuvad syndrome is this. It is a non-provable syndrome where men experience, non-provable, for real, this is the actual definition, where men experience some of the same symptoms of their expected wives, like 
weight gain, which I believe is just going to McDonald's more than you should. Um, elevated hormone levels, nausea, disturbed sleep, uh, disturbed sleep patterns, and extreme levels of fatigue. And when I first kind of heard about this, I was like, that is absolute bull. Like, no way is a guy's hormones going to be altered, or are they going to like be losing sleep or be fatigued or whatever. But I thoroughly believe that this is very, very real. I know it's real because I myself have experienced this a few months back. And you might be thinking, how have you experienced this phenomenon? Surprise! My wife and I are expecting a child coming to a world near you, January 2020. And it's crazy. It's seriously crazy. God has already spoken so much to Aaron and I about the name of our child, um, boy or girl. I'm not going to share it with you because I don't need your judgment. But <laughs> it's really cool because honestly, I'm not going to try to tear up, not even a dad yet. But I honestly believe if we have a girl, she's going to be the word God gave for me is she's going to be a leader in the church and she's going to be a builder of broken things within the kingdom of God, a restorer of broken things. And uh, I'm so excited for that. And if we have a boy, I felt like God gave me a word that he's going to be a leader in the house of God. He's going to lead God's people. I don't think that means vocationally. He doesn't have to be a pastor. I just know that he's going to be somebody that helps build the church. And so as soon as we have him, you guys will meet him. Regardless, boy or girl, I'm bringing them to YA. But uh, so Aaron and I are having a kid, and about a month into Aaron's pregnancy, um, she started experiencing some extreme fatigue. Now, if you know my wife at all, this might not seem too out of character. My wife could sleep 22 hours a day normally and still accomplish more than I can in those two hours that she's awake. She's one of the hardest workers, like most determined people I know. But she loves naps. She loves to sleep. And if you know me at all, I have taken like three naps in my entire life. I'm not a napper. Like I would stay up all night to finish papers in college and I just still, I couldn't take a nap. I would live my life that next day in a dream, but I like could not fall asleep until it was bedtime for some reason. But about a month into Aaron's pregnancy, I was hit with the most exhaustion I had ever felt in my entire life. I literally for two weeks had the most extreme fatigue I have ever had ever. Like I would go to work just exhausted. Like it was so much for me to just get in my car and make it to work. And like everything just felt like a blur. And on my way back from work, I would stop at the gym. And how many people know, you can raise your hand and be honest. You like get to the gym, you pick up the weights, you do like one, two, I'm calling it, I'm calling it. <laughs> and you like walk past the people at the front desk, you're like... Like, didn't you just check in like two seconds ago? No, that's that other guy. <laughs> but I couldn't work out. I was exhausted. And I would literally get home from work. I'd get home from my failed attempt at the gym. I would sleep from like 5.30 to 7, wake up, eat dinner, and then go to bed at like 8 o'clock. Now, for some of you, that sounds like paradise. Like, that's my, that's my wife's like paradise. But that is so abnormal for me. My wife gets pregnant and I experience some of the most incredible exhaustion I've ever had in my entire life. Now, for some of you, you probably can't relate to the whole like pregnancy phenomenon thing quite yet, but I know a lot of us in this room know what it's like to feel tired. 
a lot of us in this room know what it's like to feel exhausted, maybe physically, maybe spiritually, maybe emotionally. We know what it feels like to be tired. And I want to look back at John chapter 4 because I truly believe that in John chapter 4, we read one of the most encouraging verses in the entire Bible. People with your leather Bible, hold it up again. Real quick, all those thick pages, I'm about to give you one of the most encouraging verses in that entire book. John chapter 4, verse 6, I want you to highlight this, circle this, write this down. It says this, it says, Jesus was tired. It said, Jesus was tired. It said, Jesus was weary. Jesus was worn out. He was exhausted from his trip. Jesus was tired. Now, I don't know about you, but I know how to do tired. I don't know about you. I don't know how you live, but I relate to tired. I can get tired. Like there was a time on a Friday not too long ago after young adults, like if you ever want to catch me at my most vulnerable, fatigued uh, time, 8 a.m. to 12 p.m. or 12 yeah, p.m., whatever, on a Friday after young adults. I like don't know what happens in those four hours because we're out late, having fun at YA. Like it takes me four hours to wake up on a Friday. So much so that a few weeks ago, true story, I wake up, I let my dog out, I come back inside, and I put a little pod in my Nespresso maker, and I hit start, and I like turn around and look, and there's coffee going all over my counter because I forgot to put a cup underneath to catch the coffee. I'm like exhausted, but I'm, I know how this feels, and as I was reading this verse, I was like, oh my gosh. I feel like this is one of the only times in my life where I can read a story and actually relate to Jesus in this moment. See, I feel like a lot of the times when I read the Bible, me and Jesus tend to be on opposite pages. Now, obviously, Jesus is right, but a lot of times I feel like we don't see eye to eye on a lot of things. Like there are places where I would walk in and be so upset, and Jesus tends to show grace and mercy in those moments. There are moments where I would think everything's cool. Like when Jesus walks through the temple and people are selling stuff, I'd be like, yeah, that happens all the time. Like, that's cool. And Jesus starts flipping crap and like whipping people. And I'm like, what? Like, what? Like Jesus and I, we don't rely. Like in moments where I would be terrified, Jesus is brave. Like there are moments where I don't relate to Jesus in scripture. But in this moment, I relate to Jesus because I know what it feels like to be tired. I get that. And I think if we're honest, most of us in here know what that feels like. I'll be out in the lobby after service saying hi to people and, I'll, hey, how's it going? How's life? It's great. Just got a new job, got a new relationship, just got engaged, got a new car, whatever. Life is awesome. I'm just a little tired, right? How many times have we said that? I get tired. And up until now, I've totally missed this. But in one of the most famous stories in the entire Bible, John 4, the woman at the well, the context of this story comes in a time where Jesus himself is tired. Now, if I'm just being honest, there were a couple months back on a Friday 
where I sort of reached my peak of exhaustion. I was in that 8 to 12 sort of time period for myself. And it was a Friday after young adults. And at that time, Erin and I worked different schedules. And so she would go to work and I was in charge of taking care of our dog. Like Friday was my day with our dog. And he's cute, but he is nuts. And like he is a handful and he's shedding and I feel like I'm venting right now, but (laughs) he's a lot. And so I wake up. I get my coffee, and if you guys ever want to see the the most ratchet version of myself, like Fridays 8 to 12, I have on these giant sweatpants that Aaron and I lovingly call blacky because they're double or triple XL sweatpants from Walmart that are black, and they have those little elastic bands at your ankles so you feel like Aladdin while you're, like, walking around. (laughs) But I have on those, and I have on, like, my $5 H&M tank top, and my hair's disheveled, and I look like I'm like looking for somebody who wants to buy meth. Like that's how, I, that's how I look as I'm walking around my neighborhood with my dog. And as I'm walking around, some of you like know where I live. You're like, I'm gonna go see that tomorrow morning. <laughs> but I'm walking my dog and I don't know why, but I just had this moment with God where I was like, God, if I'm just being real, I'm exhausted. And not just physically exhausted. Like, my mind is exhausted. My, my emotions are exhausted. My soul is exhausted. And I was walking my dog around my neighborhood, and tears were, like, welling up in my eyes. And I'm sure people were like, what? Who the heck is this guy? But I was just being honest. I was like, God, I feel like I'm distant to you. For whatever reason, I'm doing everything I know what to do. I'm reading my Bible. I'm praying. I'm listening to worship music. Like, I'm not rapping like the youth pastors. Like, I'm just like, I'm doing my best to like zone in. And God, you've never felt more distant in my life. God, I feel like in this moment, I am an average husband on my best day. I'm doing everything I know to do to be faithful, to be encouraging, to lift up my wife, to be a good husband. And I just feel like I'm failing. I feel like I'm going through the motions at my job. I feel like I'm supposed to be present and have passion and have vision. But God, I'm feeling apathetic. I just feel tired. And I'm walking around. And and here's what happens. And here's what the enemy loves to do when we feel tired. This thought loves to come in our head and creep in our head. And when we start to feel tired, we also start to feel disqualified. And as I'm walking my dog around my neighborhood, I start to just think of all the reasons why I'm probably disqualified to not just do what I do as a job, but to serve Jesus or be a follower of Jesus at all. The enemy loves when we're tired to remind us all the reasons why we should be disqualified from following Jesus in this life. And don't we think that if God is going to use anybody, he's probably going to use somebody that doesn't look a lot like me right now. If God's going to use anyone to get his mission done, to reach people, to show love and kindness to somebody, they probably should be energetic. They probably should be full of energy and full of life and full of passion. If God's gonna use somebody, they should probably be extremely outgoing. They should probably have never met a stranger. They can talk to anyone. Like if God is gonna use somebody, they should be an excellent husband or wife, just crushing the game. They should never struggle with any temptation. They should never struggle with any apathy. Like if God was gonna use somebody, that's the kind of person God would use. So therefore, I am probably disqualified from what God wants to do in my life. And as I was on this walk, breaking down, just looking a mess. I just remember thinking, like, how much longer can I do this? Like, 
how much longer, can, not only can I work at a church and, and pray and try to build our congregation and young adults and reach more people, like how much longer can I like really be a Christian? Like Jesus knows, I feel like I'm just going through the motions on this. And I, in that moment, as I'm walking my dog, I'm not kidding, I just felt the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. I felt like he whispered in my soul. He's like, hey, I know what it feels like to be tired too. I know what it's like to be tired, and I promise you something. I can use tired. I promise you, I can use tired. John chapter four, verse 23 says this. It says, the kind of people the Father are looking, is looking for is this. Those who are simply and honestly themselves before him. The kind of people that God wants to use to do incredible things, amazing things, reach their office, reach their friends, reach their family, start a nonprofit that changes the world, go into the business sector and make millions of dollars to push God's kingdom forward. The kind of people God wants to use are those who are simply and honestly themselves before him. Because here's the truth. And I honestly believe that this is one of the greatest truths in our life. I think a lot of times people give Christians a bad rap because a lot of times our society says Christianity is a crutch for the weak. It's for people that are emotionally unstable or don't have vision for life. Can I be honest with you? It's about time somebody like starts saying some of this. Being a Christian is not easy. And I'm not saying that to pat ourselves on the back. This is why when you sign up to be a follower of Jesus, you sign up to follow him 24-7, 365. You don't get any days off. You don't get to take a break. You don't get to tap out. When you say, Jesus, you have my life, he asks for all of it. And here's the thing. What he gives you back is so much better than what it costs to follow him. It'll cost you everything. If you're in here and you came because you're like, I'm feeling weak, I'm feeling vulnerable, I need a little church, this is not necessarily the place where Jesus is gonna require everything of you. But in that weakness, in that vulnerability, you're gonna get more than you ever could have asked or imagined. But a truth that you can stake your life on is this. You don't ever get to choose your season. And luckily, by the grace of God, you don't have to fake your season. But just know this, God wants to use you regardless of your season. You don't get to choose your season and you don't have to fake your season, but God is gonna use you regardless of your season. Jesus, as, as he's encountering this woman at a well, he's just coming from a situation where people are literally trying to stir up trouble towards him. They're, they're, they're creating this rivalry with one of Jesus's friends, I believe it was actually Jesus's cousin, John the Baptist, and they're trying to stir up this rivalry between them. They're talking bad behind their back. Anybody know, anybody a little tired from people just stirring up trouble in your life? Like, Jesus knows what that feels like. Jesus also just literally hiked across half the country of Israel to get away from that. So not only is Jesus emotionally tired, Jesus is physically tired from walking. And in this moment, Jesus is talking to a social pariah, an outcast in that community, that Jesus is saying, no longer, outcast, no more. But he's tired, there's a weight and a burden if you're gonna carry God's kingdom of love and peace to every single person. And Jesus in this moment is exhausted, but this is what I love. He's aware and he is available to the person that the Father has placed before him. 
He is aware of what is going on and he is available to the person that the Father has placed in front of him in this moment. Jesus has a conversation with the disciples after he encounters this woman and they're confused because like I said earlier, they know Jesus is tired. They made that walk with him. They know the social stigmas Jesus is breaking in this moment. And he says to them, John 4, 35, he says, I'm telling you, listen, open up your eyes. Live this life wide awake to what God is doing around you. Take a good look at what is right in front of you. Jesus, exhausted, tired, is encouraging his disciples that regardless of how they feel in this moment, there is no wasted moments and no wasted season with God. And he's saying, I know we're tired. I know we're breaking stigmas right now. I know that people are trying to stir up trouble, but look around. Look at the opportunity that our Father has put in front of us. Jesus is saying, I know that I'm tired, but that does not give me any excuse to not seize the opportunities that the Father has put in front of me. Regardless of his season, Jesus was available to people, to hurt and broken people that the Father put in front of him. And listen, some of you might be in this room tonight and you're tired. You're physically tired. You're, you're staying up late, working weird hours, trying to get some schoolwork done. You're exhausted. Maybe you're spiritually tired. Maybe like myself, you just feel distant from God and you're doing everything you know to do, but it just doesn't seem like it's working. Maybe you're emotionally tired. Relationships are going bad. But can I promise you something? You can still be effective in this season. You can still be effective. God still wants to use you. God does not say, my plans for you end when you're busy. My plans for you end when you're exhausted. My plans for you end when you're tired. God has a purpose in this season for your life. You might be tired, but I would encourage you to be available when you're tired. God can connect you to someone even in the middle of you being tired. God wants to use you. And there's one thing in this world. There is only one thing that I know of from reading the Bible that God cannot use. There is only one thing in his creation that God cannot use to fulfill the purposes of his kingdom. And this is what it is. God cannot use the version of you that you hope to become one day when you'll be effective. Jesus cannot use the person that you think you need to become before you're effective. He can use who you are right now in this moment. We all kind of do it, right? We're all guilty of this thought. Like we have a picture of ourselves, the version of ourselves that we see one day that's, that's better than we are now. We all have this image of ourselves that one day when we become this person, that's the person that God really wants to use. One day when I finally finish my read the Bible in a year plan and I don't stop in Leviticus, then that's when God will be able to use me one day when my calendar's lined up and I don't have so many meetings and one day when I land the job and I'm not always looking for it to land the next job when I'm not always job hunting, one day when I've got the relationship with the right girl, with the right guy that's encouraging me and pushing me forward and trying to see all my dreams fulfilled, one day when I lose that 10, 20, 30, 40 pounds, whatever you got, one day when I become that person, that's when I'll be effective and that is when God is gonna use me. Listen, if you are waiting until you have it all together to be used by God, 
Calendar, good. Wait, good. Relationship, good. Job, good. If you're waiting till you have it all together, I will make you a promise that I know will be true. You can go your whole life and you might never be used by God. If you are waiting until you have everything together to be effective for God, you will go your whole life and never be used to do great things for God. But if you live like Jesus is encouraging his disciples, if you open your eyes to what's around you, regardless of what season you're in, if you open your eyes, if you're tired, but you're available to the purposes of God, regardless of your season, if you're open to being used when you're exhausted, when your relationships aren't perfect or maybe even falling apart, when you're not loving your job, you're not finding purpose, you're not finding fulfillment in what you do, if you're open to being used when you're up doing that schoolwork, you're up job hunting, if you can be used when life doesn't fit perfectly the way you've always pictured it to be, if you can be available then, man, I promise you, God can use somebody to do something powerful in that moment. God can raise up some people that can change their work, that can change their families, that can change a city, I believe can change a nation, and who knows, maybe even change the world. If you're open to being used when you're tired, but you say, God, listen, I'm tired, but I promise you, I will be available to whatever you put in front of me. Man, that's somebody that can do incredible and powerful things. Band, you guys can make your way on up. As I close, you're probably like, why, do you, why are you stressing this idea of being tired so much? Why does this seem so important to you? Why, why are you speaking to us if we're in a season of being tired or exhausted? Why can't I just chill? Why can't I lay back? Why can't I watch something on Netflix, Stranger Things, Hulu, whatever? Like, why are you pushing me to be active when I'm exhausted? Like, why can't I just recoup, right? <coughs> Which first, Jesus says, come to me, all you are weary, and I will give you rest. So our rest is never found in anything outside of Jesus. A lot of you in here are looking to a relationship. You're looking to sex. You're looking to drugs and alcohol. And trust me, I've been there. I know what that's like. No shame, no condemnation. But you're, you could agree. I don't even have to push on that. You're just not finding the rest for your soul that you think you would have. <laughs> the Bible says that in Jesus, there's rest for our soul. But why are you pushing? Why am I so caught up and focused on being available when we're tired? I think it's so important to never take a season off in life, and here's why. Jesus meets a woman at a well that's tired too. Jesus, in his exhaustion, meets a woman at a well who's tired too. Man, and she's not just tired. Her soul is tired. The Bible tells us that she comes to this well at noon. Why would she come to the well at noon? Because one, it's the hottest point of the day and nobody else would be there. Most people went to the well in this culture either first thing in the morning, even before the sun came up, and near nighttime, right, right when the sun's going down and it's cooler in the day, and the water, the well, is kind of like today's modern watering hole or whatever. Think of it as like your favorite bar or something like that. It's where everybody goes to socialize and to hang out and to catch up with one another. This woman is intentionally going to the well at a time where she doesn't have to talk to anyone or see anybody. Her soul is tired. Listen, she's had five husbands and a live-in boyfriend. She is exhausted. Clearly, this woman is looking for peace and rest in relationships, and there's something in her that is so broken that something can't, she can never keep anybody around, and that is wearing on her. 
and she knows. She's, she's, she's seen the glances as she's walking through the village. Like, she's heard the whispers of people talking like, oh, that's that girl. Oh, yeah, she's living with that guy. Like, and she's just got to stare down at the ground and act like she can't hear anything going on. Like, this girl knows what it's like, the gossip, the, the lifestyle that's wearing on her soul. Her soul is exhausted. But then she encounters Jesus. How many people in here are so thankful that there was a time when you had no idea what was going on? You were broken, you were hurt, you were exhausted. But then, I'm so thankful for the but then, we encounter Jesus and nothing is the same. And in this conversation, Jesus reveals himself. He's like, hey, you've been looking for peace and security and wholeness in relationships. I am the person you're looking for. And he offers her this life, this salvation, this living water. And he says, hey, listen, if you will put your faith in me and your trust in me, I promise you will know a peace that you've never, you've never known before. And this woman is so affected. She's so changed by this encounter with Jesus. that The Bible tells us that she runs back to her uh, village. She runs back to her neighborhood. The person that was ashamed to be around anybody is now running through the streets, gathering everyone and telling them, you have to come and meet this person that has told me everything I have ever done. He is incredible. And so she was so convincing. The whole village goes out and they meet with Jesus and they actually say, hey, at first we were excited because of your story, but I've encountered him for myself. Now I believe because I know him. I know him. What changed this woman? What changed this woman's life? It wasn't a miracle. Jesus didn't perform any miracles. He didn't levitate. He didn't walk on water. He didn't perform anything crazy. We have no record that Jesus healed a sickness. He didn't heal a disease. He didn't do anything like that. Jesus didn't give her advice that fixed her relationship problem in the moment. We have no record of Jesus doing anything miraculous or spectacular to this woman. You want to know what changed this woman's life? There was Jesus who was tired, but he was available, and he seized the opportunity to meet this woman where she was at, young adults. Can we be a place we say, God, regardless of my season, I will declare that I will be available to anybody and anything you put in my way. Can we all stand together? I believe right now that there's some of you in here where you've sort of taken a season off. And listen, I get it. There's no shame. There's no fault. It's hard. Life is hard. It really is. Life doesn't want you to succeed. The enemy doesn't want you to succeed. The enemy doesn't want